Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. I'm Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide. The 2021 League of Legends World Championships are taking place in Reykjavik, Iceland. The competition features T1, Mad Lions, Fun Plus Phoenix, Cloud9, and other top teams. The event was originally designated to take place in China, but was moved to Iceland in late August due to the Delta variant of the COVID-19 coronavirus taking hold in the country. A total of 24 teams will compete for the lump sum of $2.25 million in what's expected to be an exciting World Championships. Joining me today is Michael Kelly, staff writer for Dot Esports. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Ahmad. So, Iceland is not a new stage for League of Legends. Um, Iceland did host the Midseason Invitational in May. Even then, how has the last-minute move been for the teams? It's tough to say. Many teams have been going through it um, in terms of uh, difficulty uh, preparing, I would say. It's been a difficult process to really prepare for the tournament when it swaps location very quickly. Um, I would say the teams themselves are not having as much of a difficult task as the tournament organizers would have. Um, The teams just kind of show up wherever, set up their PCs and play the game. Um, as far as organizing a tournament of this scale with 22 teams from 12 different major regions across the world, it's uh, it, it's difficult to put this process together. Um, but I imagine the teams are getting used to it quite quickly. When it comes to the actual production of the event, I mean, is it still kind of this hybrid model where um, pr- uh, production members are across the world doing things remotely or is everybody uh, full hands on deck in uh, Iceland? No, it's actually pretty split up um, for the most part. There are obviously camera crews and some uh, portions of the production staff on site in Reykjavik, but the majority of the broadcast talent is actually uh, working the event from Berlin. Um, Berlin serves as the home base for the LEC, that's the European League for League of Legends, the domestic league over there. Um, and a lot of the broadcast talent was shipped to Berlin just to kind of centralize the on-air production element of things. And what is the biggest storyline of the event thus far? I would say the biggest storyline from a competitive standpoint is the performance of Eastern teams. Um, This year, the way Riot um, operates and organizes the event and dishes out seating Uh, based on performance. Uh, Basically, if you've had success in the past, you get rewarded for it by sending more teams from your region to this uh, world championship. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Korea and China are two major regions that have been absolutely dominating League of Legends on the competitive stage over the course of the last few years. Um, Teams from Korea's LCK and China's LPL have actually won uh, the last three international tournaments dating back to October of 2019. As a result, each of those regions send four teams. There's only 16 teams in the main event right now, and half of them are both from Korea and China. So it's pretty much a given that at least one of them is going to go very deep into the tournament, if not win the whole thing. And, you know, a top competitor is back in League of Legends, at least the World Championships this year. Uh, Tell me what's going on with Faker. Faker is still doing Faker things. This year he's back and he hasn't missed a beat. So far, T1 is 1-1 one and one as of the time of this recording in the group stage. Um, and they are fairly favored to advance into the later stage of the tournament. 
largely because of Faker. This time around him, he has a ton of young teammates um, that are kind of pulling the strings and holding their own, but he's really still the, the mastermind behind T1's entire operation. He's the face of the franchise for good reason, and he's seeking his fourth uh, world title. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely taking on that, I guess, senior captain style role, kind of like late stage Michael Jordan uh, during the Bulls era. For sure. He's kind of done that at various points throughout his career. He's always been the one to kind of lift his teammates up by the bootstraps. Um, but this year, it's more prevalent than ever. Mm-hmm. And since we're a U.S.-based podcast, I'm sure our listeners are curious to see how uh, our region is faring so far. So which North American teams are at Worlds right now, and how has the competition been for those teams? The three North American teams at the World Championship this year are three extremely well-known uh, organizations. If you've been versed at all in the world of esports, the names 100 Thieves, Team Liquid, and Cloud9 should stand out to you in, in some respect. Um, thus far, as a region, North America has won two games and lost four uh, through the group stage, uh, group stage's first two days. That being said, um, it's not all bad. The, the losing record isn't as, uh, um, I would say, it's not as perilous as it seems on paper right now. The um, competition is stiff. This is probably the most stacked World Championship League of Legends has seen in its 11-year history. Um, and North America is facing a relatively uphill battle. That being said, um, both 100 Thieves and Team Liquid have split their two games thus far, whereas Cloud9 has lost both. But um, the games have looked close, and there's still four games left to play for each team. So it should be relatively winnable if they play at the same pace they are right now. Hmm. And what about the European teams? Europe is actually posting the same record as North American teams right now. They've hmm. also won two and lost four. In theory and on paper, Europe should have a stronger chance than North America, considering um, Europe's LEC has a bit more, I would say, just raw talent packed into it, and they've performed better at international events in recent memory. But like I said, there's still plenty of time for things to go right or wrong, and we won't get a true look at how the teams are faring against their competitors until they've had a strong enough sample size. And, you know, speaking of uh, things going wrong, it does seem that the uh, Unicorns of Love have released its entire roster after its poor uh, 2021 performance. I mean, what do you make of what happened there? Unicorns of Love are a very interesting team in my eyes. They've performed relatively well in their domestic league, the LCL, uh, over in Eastern Europe. Um, they've won, I believe, four of the last five domestic titles over there. Um, if not five of the last five, they show up every year at international events and always drown in the play-in stage, whether it be at the World Championship or the Mid-Season Invitational. So while they dominate on the domestic stage and manage to beat everyone in their immediate circle, they never really pull it together against the other teams from around the world when they're given the chance to do so. After three years of sporting the same roster, the organization made a change and released everyone, or at least allowed them to look for opportunities elsewhere. Um, it's unclear as of right now where those five players are going to go, but on the surface, I would say they have a pretty good chance at making it into the 
minor region of or the minor league of Europe, uh, which would be called the ERLs, um, or the LEC, which is the major league of Europe, um, if not elsewhere in the globe. But there are some players on that team who definitely have the chance and the pedigree of uh, progressing in their careers for sure. And, you know, tell me about the first Japanese team to make it to the world group stage. Yes, Detonation Focus Me. They are an incredibly interesting team in my eyes. Um, they managed to upset North America's Cloud9 in the play-in stage of the event, um, and as a result became the first ever, like you said, Japanese team to reach the group stage at the World Championship. Detonation Focus Me is a team that has been around for a while now. They've been competing in professional league for probably close to five years Um and like Unicorns of Love, they are a team that consistently reaches the big time stage, but have never really put it all together to uh, escape the play-ins and make the main event. Mm-hmm. This year they did. And um, mainly it was done on the backs of uh, their solo laners, as they're called in League. Players who kind of can control the map and really excel in one-on-one opportunities. Um, those players are Evie and Aria. Evie in particular uh, is a player who has been with DFM for the better part of three to four years. Um, he is the franchise player. He's seen the ups and downs of the organization, and he's really become kind of this global icon. Um, player, mm-hmm. Players and fans alike have just become so used to seeing him on the international stage as he's really been the rock for the franchise. And finally, as all the parts moved around him for Detonation Focus Me, he became kind of the player to lift them over the edge, and he's been around through it all. Hmm. Has the gap closed between the so-called major and minor regions competitively? And if so, or I guess, why or why not? I would say not yet. Um, it is certainly closing. Teams like Detonation Focus Me, for example, are making a great case. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main event of the world championship features 15 major region teams and one minor region team the gap there implies that there's not a whole lot of representation for the minor region teams and part of it is is deservedly so because a lot of them historically have not held a candle to major region teams even in the play-in stage the last chance kind of qualifier for the fourth place teams from China and Korea, uh, they went up against minor region teams and absolutely put them to work. Uh, it, it, it wasn't really close when teams from Oceania and uh, the CIS and other minor regions from around the world went up against these titans from China and Korea, and they aren't even the best teams from their respective regions. So if you put a minor region team up against someone who can you know, easily win a major region, it's it's going to be pretty far, far apart. Mm-hmm. I know we're still early into this event overall, but what has been, I guess, the biggest upset so far? Not to, you know, keep ringing the bell, but I think Detonation Focus Me making it into the group stage was huge. Um, on, on that particular day of the tournament, it was the second to last day of the play-in stage. Um Cloud9 had a 3-0 and record in play-in games. And Unicorns of Love, their opponent, had an 0-3 record for uh, for their play-in stage run. Unicorns of Love beat Cloud9. 
Cloud9 was forced into a tiebreaker with Detonation Focus Me based on their respective records. And Detonation Focus Me came out and beat Cloud9. Mind you, not even a couple of days earlier, Cloud9 absolutely took DFM to task and beat them in probably less than 30 minutes, if I recall correctly. Uh, it was one of the most one-sided games of the tournament, and Cloud9, the second time around against the Japanese representatives, just looked like a completely different team. And mm. as a result, Detonation Focus Me went straight into the group stage. Interesting. Uh, do you think Detonation Focus Me has a chance at all of uh, taking the title? The title, I, I would not say uh, they have much of a chance. Can they escape the group stage, though, and progress further into the main event? It's possible. Unlikely, but possible. They have been placed into what many fans and analysts are calling the weakest group at the tournament. Um, they are alongside 100 Thieves, uh, mm -hmm. T1, and Edward Gaming of China. On paper, uh, that doesn't sound like that weak of a group, but when you compare it to the other absolutely stacked groups at the event, they are in Group B, and if they can sneak a win here or there like they did against Cloud9, anything is possible. Hmm. So, I mean, with that, I mean, what do you think is kind of the major theme uh, that's running th through this event? I mean, is it just underdogs completely taking or, you know, performing better than they would have? Is it top team domination uh, or is it just continued China and Korea supremacy? I would say if I had to boil it down to one theme, and this kind of happens every year at Worlds, but this year more so than others, the, the phrase that comes to mind is anybody can beat anybody. Mm. Um, group A at this event is a particularly fantastic example. It features the two most recent world champions, um, Damwon Gaming Kia and Fun Plus Phoenix um, out of Korea and China, respectively, in addition to Rogue and Cloud9, who are both titans of the esports scene in their own right. All four of those teams performed relatively well on the domestic stage and have the superstar talent to beat each other on the right day. The same goes for other groups across the board. There are plenty of superstars at this event, as would be expected. So if any of them can play to their ceiling, they can beat anyone else. And then lastly, do you have any uh, major predictions you want to throw at me? I, I hate to put you on the spot. Oh, I mean, I've, I've had plenty of predictions. Um, and many of them, honestly, from, from what I've uh, talked about in the past, whether it be in, in writing or uh, on other podcasts or, or whatnot um mm -hmm. i've i've kind of beat the drum that anyone can really win this event um but if i had to pick with my with my brain so to speak <laughs> um i would say the team with the highest floor will probably win the whole thing for me that's the defending world champions um damwon kia they look as strong as ever they are um one of the best teams ever at the world championship historically they have won 20 games and lost only three uh at worlds over the course of the last three years um and they just get better and better every year they are a relatively safe bet and they're my pick to win the whole thing mm -hmm. well with that michael thank you so much for coming on the show thank you ahmad i really appreciate it and that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwamad.com. To follow Michael and keep up to date on the latest at Worlds, follow him at Michael underscore Kelly 17 on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. 
This episode was produced by Henrique Damore and Jacob Wolf. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. Our research assistant is Sam Higgins. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.